We're going to talk to you today. The message on this uh, May 19th, 2013 is shouts of a ruler of fools. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes 9. You hit some of the songs, you went too far. Go back to the left. Somebody say there when you were there. The quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouts of a ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Come on, wisdom is better than the weapons of war. Has there ever been an apt, more apt word for a generation? We live in a society where the loudest voice often prevails. Untrue statements are granted validity simply by their sheer repetition of hearing them. We need to relearn the value of quiet words for the wise. Gaining God's wisdom, God's leading, is superior to being well-armed. Somebody say amen. amen. There's not much this worse. I spent a whole afternoon with some good friends. That part was great. We were taking a CHL class. And when you realize that there's somebody in the room that is not understanding, is not proficient, is not coordinating, and they have a gun, a firearm, that's a bit of a problem. When they load the gun and turn towards everybody else on the line to ask a question with their finger on the trigger, that's a problem. Friends, our words can be just like this. We are loaded with potential, loaded with power, and we have to learn how to use these things. Let us go to Proverbs 10 and the 20th verse. Say there when you get there so I don't run off without you. <laughs> 10 and the 20th verse. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. We have a choice with our tongue to express words that are costly. Costly maybe beyond measure are words that are cheap and worthless and express something of the cheap and worthless nature of fallen man. We have that choice every time we open our mouth. We also have that choice in what we choose to expose ourselves to, to heal. One more scripture. Turn to Proverbs 25. If you don't turn, it will appear on the screen. We will love you anyway, although we hope that you will eventually learn to turn. A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Has anybody priced gold lately? How much an ounce are we? Can anybody spit out a number? I didn't look it up. Like $1,700. Like $1,700 an ounce. How many ounces do you think an apple is? Suffice it to say that the writer of Proverbs is trying to say that the right word at the right time is a costly, expensive thing. You know what it costs for you to be able to speak the right word at the right time? It costs Jesus his life. Because him dying, putting you back into a state where you could become righteous through his credited atonement, allows you to hear from the heavens. It allows you to know what the rest of the world doesn't know. When some are saying he's Elijah, when others are saying he's John the Baptist, come back from the dead, you have heard from the third heavens and said, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. What were those words worth, friends? Oh, Peter couldn't have bought them. He didn't have enough to buy them. But he reached into the heavens through revelation and the heavens reached back 
And he had something that was so valuable that there are not words to describe it. Have you ever been in such a place where you simply needed a good word? Amen. Oh my, it's been like water to my spirit at times. We all know what a bad word does. We know how it turns in your gut. How it runs on the treadmill of your mind when you're trying to sleep. How it shows up at every moment that God intends you to triumph and tries to get you to fail. Our problem is not so much just the words that we speak. As I began to pray about this message, I want you to understand what we speak is 50% of the problem. We have never been in a generation where we hear more than we have in this generation. There was a time period where most of your work would be on a farm. Most of your work would be hunting and gathering. Most of your work would be busy at a factory. Most of your work would be isolated even when surrounded by people. Today, you can get texted 700 times a day, and some of you prove it in here all of the time. You can get Facebook posts. You can get news media in your sleep coming to your smartphones. We're in danger of becoming skeptical, if not jaded. This is the problem because we're constantly hearing words that are spoken cheaply. Let me tell you what I mean. Has anybody been through a political season? What do they tell us every political season? We're going to balance the budget. When was the last time that was done? Our unemployment numbers are going down. And what they mean is we're manipulating them. I did not have sex with that woman. Well, it depends on what your definition of is, is. Benghazi was a spontaneous reaction to a film on YouTube. How many times have we heard words that we knew were cheap when we heard them? This has an eroding effect on us. How about our commercials? This product will make your hair grow. <laughs> Come on, bald people, help me out. <laughs> This will make you thin. This will make you happy. If you buy this for your dog, he will become obedient and stop ruining your floors. If you invest in this product, you will never have to worry again. Being a father teaches every human being so much. Or being a mother, I should rather say, being a parent teaches you. I remember when my child was watching TV, because at that time in our home we had TV. <laughs> he woke up much earlier than I did. Don't they always wake up earlier than you want them to on a Saturday? Yeah. Come on, Pastor Teresa, isn't it true? You raised a bunch of them. My son knew that I had to buy a gator wrench. Y'all remember those? This was one wrench that would replace all other wrenches. It was kind of of the wrenches like the Ginsu knives were to the Ginsu knives department, right? If you just bought this one thing, and how much does it cost? $19.99 and about $3,000 in shipping and handling, right? This has an effect upon us. When we hear words that no one means when they say them over and over and over, it has an eroding effect. How about this one with parents and children? Parents tell their children, 
If you do that again, I'm going to spank you. What, I'm the only one that says that? Oh, hey, I see children pointing to their parents. Let me, let me applaud you, mama. That is a good thing that your child answered that question. The problem is not only does the child do it, he does it again and many more times and several times after those times. And each episode is followed by the same warning from the parent. Either there is no correction or when the correction occurs, it is either more severe than you promised because now you're ticked off or it's less severe than you promised because you overcommitted in the beginning. What are the unintended lessons that that has on a child? And maybe we can back up and look at what it's doing to all of us. Authority figures don't always mean what they say or what they say isn't always true. At times, authority figures must be taken seriously. And at other times, not so much. This attitude is then projected on others in the person's life. Peers, teachers, leaders, bosses. You end up saying things like, I know what he said, but this is what he meant. But isn't that what our talking heads do on TV for us all of the time? A political leader comes out and says, this is black and white. And then they tell you what he really meant by that was... By the time a child has become an adult, he views the world through cheap words and frequently says things he doesn't mean and worse than that, expects the very same from other human beings. Turn with me to Numbers 23. In Numbers 23... We have one of the more interesting stories of the Older Testament. We have a king named Balak. Say Balak. Come on, Balak. Balak thought that he was going to hire a prophet, Balaam. And that the prophet Balaam would say what he wanted him to say. Now this is a problem. Because Balaam shows up and says, hey Balak, I can't say what you want me to say. If you want me to be a prophet, not just a liar, I'm going to have to say what God says to say. So Balaam pays Balaam. And then Balaam says what God wants him to say. This was a bit of a problem for Balak because it wasn't what he wanted to hear. Oh, man. Would you pay a doctor to lie to you? Why would you tie them in church where preachers lie to you? Because it makes you feel good? That's not his job. So Balak says, let's take another stab at this. Maybe you didn't understand me. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to increase my sacrifice. Because I want you to be really impressed with me, Balak. I'm going to increase the size of the offering. And then I'm going to give you another chance to tell me what it is God is saying. And this is what Balaam told him. Verse 18. Then he uttered his oracle, Arise, Balak, and listen, hear me, son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Oh, fellas, let's, let's deal with that for a minute. God is not a man that he should lie. What does that mean men do? 
God does not speak and then not act. What does that mean men do? They speak and not act. God does not promise and not fulfill. What does that mean men do? And when you hear promises that go unfulfilled and actions that are not taken and words that are cheap, you can make a terrible mistake. You can begin to think that when God says it, He doesn't really mean it. Because no other authority figure you ever met really meant what they said. Do you think this is having an effect on our society? Those of you that didn't answer, let us consider something. How many women do you know that feel inherently beautiful without being reassured? Raise your hand if you know that woman. Yeah, it's amazing. There's not a hand up in the room. Why is that? Is it because no one in their life told them they were beautiful? Or is it because so many people say things that they do not mean that the woman doesn't know if she can trust the person who is telling her? Particularly when she's experiencing sensory overload about what beautiful is. Every time she goes to a shopping mall, every time she goes to a checkout line, every time she sees a photograph, it has been doctored in a way to present something that is called beautiful. So when she goes home to the one husband that she's supposed to have, and he looks her in the eye and says, oh, you're beautiful, she's still not sure she can believe it. How many children just grow up knowing that they are smart? Or how many grow up knowing that they are a gift from God? Friends, we say these things, but the problem is, so many other things are said that go unfulfilled. How can we know? My child Gabriel and the other one Abigail, the only two that are musical in the family, are one real hope in the next generation for a songbird. Ask one of the more important questions after watching an episode of American Idol. They notice something about American Idol. Everybody's mama says they can sing. Come on now. Nobody else will lie to you like your own mama, huh? Oh no, baby, you can wear those jeans. You look good in them. Oh no, baby, you can sing. You sound like Beyonce. And then they open with a Whitney Houston song. And you hate the British judge who tells the truth and says, you're awful. Get out. My child watched that, and Gabriel was the first to look at me, and he said, Dad, y'all say I can sing, but can I really sing? <laughs> this takes us back to a garden, doesn't it? Did God really say? Does God mean what he says when he says it, or is he like us? Does he say things that he kind of halfway sort of, well, he's just speaking in faith, you know? That's how Christians lie. We just call it as though it was, even though it's not. That doesn't work with your checkbook. You bounce a check, you lie. It's not a statement of faith. It's a statement of fact when you say it. Come on, church. How many words have we heard that are just cheap? There's an inventor named Ron Popeil that has sold more things for $19.99 than anyone else I know. He became a multimillionaire off of $19.99. 99. But you have to wonder how many of those gadgets he actually uses. You ever wondered how 
out the George Foreman grill, cooks off all of the fat, but needs all of the vital nutrients inside. None of it escapes with the fat. <laughs> well, it has to be true. They said it on TV, right? Let's turn to Psalm 12. Every parent is faced with a problem when they see their own children are skeptical of their words. Psalms 12 really addresses our setting. It deals with what to do in a setting that is exactly like today. Help, Lord, for the godly are no more. The faithful have vanished from among men. Everyone lies to his neighbor. Their flattering lips speak with deception. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and every boastful tongue that says, we will triumph with our tongues. We own our lips. Who is our master? Friends, that's shouting from the ruler of fools. Because of the oppression of the weak and the groaning of the needy, I will now arise, says the Lord. Before I go any further with this, say, well, in America we're not oppressed. We're not weak. We're not needy. And yet, I've never seen people with such self-confidence problems as Americans have. When you go to Africa and you meet a man who his total net worth might be $100, he knows who he is, and he's proud of his family name. And if he happens to be born again, he's proud of what God has called him to be. And most wake up with a smile on their face every day, even if they were born orphans. Because they know who they are. But you can buy iPads. You can buy cars. You can buy everything in the world. And it will not answer that question, who you are. Or make you believe when somebody tells you something good about yourself. Can I get an amen? Yeah. How many of you have this little scriptural wrestle going on in your mind? I know the word of God says, but I have trouble believing this about myself. Oh, now I didn't get the response from that that is honest. Let's not let our words be cheap. How many of you have that wrestle going on in your head? How about every time you go and pray for somebody to get healed? I know the Lord wants to heal, but how about every time you have to believe that a promise of God is real, tangible, present in your life right now? I know the Word of God says, but. This is no different than a child that has learned that his daddy or mommy doesn't mean what they say. But let me ask you, is God like our daddies and mommies were? No. No. He's not a man that he should lie. He doesn't break his promises. He doesn't do such things. In fact, he says, because of the oppression of the weak and the groaning of the needy, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will protect them from those who malign them. In an age of deception, in an age of lies, spin zones. The living God's truth is piercing that darkness if you have an ear to hear it. And when the whole world is telling you you're not beautiful, lady, the living God's word is saying you are fearfully and wonderfully made.
exactly as I designed you. And when the world is telling you that you are a failure, gentlemen, the living God says, I called Gideon a mighty warrior while he was yet hiding. Stand up, mighty man of God. The word of God will pierce your situation. It will cure your oppression. It will come against those who malign what God says about you. We have to realize the word of the Lord is not cheap. In fact, verse 6 says it this way. And the words of the Lord are flawless. I'm not going to ask how many of you bought a diamond. I don't want any of you to get in trouble about your engagement or wedding rings. But let's suppose that you were looking for a diamond for someone you love. You go find one that's flawed? Do you go find one that's flawed? What do you look for? I've heard enough of these commercials from Zadok, which is supposed to mean righteousness and to us means jewelers, to know that we look for color, clarity, cut. We're looking to make sure that it's as flawless as we can afford today. And any of you, because I want, I want your name and address and checking account number, can any of you afford a flawless diamond? I don't know if one exists, but the Word of God is flawless. And hear this, He's made it available to everyone. Would you rather have diamonds? Would you rather have precious stones? Don't we sing to Him that He's more precious to us than silver? More costly than gold? His word is his character. His character is revealed in his word and it is flawless. Of every promise that God ever made, none have fallen to the ground. If you read his comments section, his reviews section, you will not find a single honest review that says, God, let me down. Have you ever taken your car to a mechanic shop like I have? And when you get it to the mechanic shop that you chose because the reviews were excellent, and the receptionist is Susie, and the assistant mechanic is Fred, and the actual mechanic is Mark, and you realize they wrote their own reviews. We one time paid $2,300 for a Honda CRV to get fixed. A week later, we've had the same problem, and every week since then we have, and no matter how many times we take it back to them, they say it's not having the problem. Oh, you can sit in it with us. You can see it. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't believe your lying eyes. It is not happening. It's the sum total of what they're telling us. Sounds like a politician. It's because words are cheap. Do you know what the sales pitch was to get us to use that place at that price? You read our reviews, didn't you? There had to be a reason you came here as opposed to every other shop. I did. You have a good point. Yes, ma'am, you can fix the car. Of course, they didn't fix the car. What does that make you think about every automotive repair shop? Just be honest. Uh, they're all crooks. I'm never going back there, right? Just like you feel about politicians. We have a tendency to get skeptical. 
We have a tendency to get jaded. And that extends even towards God's Word. We're pretty sure that it's true for Cody. But not so true that it's not so sure that it's true for us in our situation. I'm here to tell you that the Word of God is flawless. By the way, there are good auto mechanics in the world. You can go see Baj. He does great work. And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver refined in a furnace of clay, purified how many times? Seven times over. Purified. The Word of God is like distilled water. It has no contaminants in it. The Word is not simply a good book that contains God's Word. This is literally breathed from God. Friends, if it says it, you can take it to the bank. Are our words that way? Is this what we're used to? Turn with me to Psalm 15. We have an obligation. We'll speak for just a moment about the spoken word. But I think the issue today is really what we're hearing. Are you there in Psalm 15? Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? He whose walk is blameless. Well, that excludes all of us, doesn't it? Praise God, there was one whose walk was blameless. I want Christ to be fully formed in my life. Will you settle for a baby Jesus in your life? A toddler Jesus in your life? How about a teenager Jesus in your life? I want a fully formed Christ in my life. When I hear that the requirement is a blameless walk, what does that show me? How far the distance is between what God expects of me and where I'm at. And I am so thankful for grace that will bridge that gap. Not grace that is a license to sin. Not grace that is an excuse for immorality. Grace that will bridge the gap between your faith-filled obedience that still falls short and the reality of who Christ is. Grace is that you get a chance tomorrow to do what you failed at today. He whose walk is blameless and who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart and has no slander on his lips. You know, some people speak the truth from their heart, but it doesn't mean there's no slander on their lips. What is in their heart is a murderous, hateful, slanderous thing. Do you remember the woman that had the gun at the CHL class? That she's pointing it at everybody after she spent five hours hearing from a state trooper how to handle a gun? We're Christians. What did we want to do with her? We wanted to encourage her. Oh, sweetheart, it's going to be okay. Even though from about three yards you shot the ground twice as opposed to the target in front of you, and I didn't think that was possible in the realm of physics, we, we want you to know you can do this. It's going to be okay. Out of the mouth comes the abundance of what's in the heart. 
She said, they better pass me. You know how much money my husband spends in this gun shop? When she could see she didn't get the reaction she wanted, I was actually so dumbfounded and so was Jennifer, I had no idea what to say. She looked at me and she said, can you tell I come for money? I made an important decision, one I'm learning to do more and more. It was twofold. One was, I, I was not required to answer her, James. That's really important. You are not required to speak to every person. The second thing that I learned, I am choosing not to heal that. If I spend enough time around that, some of it may creep into my heart so that I think because I pay taxes, I'm entitled to run red lights. Or because my kid's in a school, I have the ability to tell the teacher how they should teach. I might even tell that policeman he works for me. We find out we have an evil bent. It's incurable outside of Christ. But God's word, which is flawless, is the cure. And has no slander on his tongue, who does his neighbor no wrong, and casts no slur on his fellow man. Who despises a vile man, but honors those who fear the Lord. Throw that in your theology book, Christians. Despises a what? Vile man. Vile man. Oh, but we love everybody. There are people that God himself said he hates. I'm making it my objective to not be one of them. Amen. Who despises a vile man but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his oath even when it hurts. Who lends his money without usury and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. Who is the only person you know that has done all of those things. Oh, and he's got a kingdom that will never be shaken. And those of us who are born in him and he is dwelling in us are receiving a kingdom that will never be shaken. It's not like the kingdom of men. It's not full of lies and false promises. It's not full of unemployment promises that are a lie. You know, it's interesting. To win a primary, you move towards your party's strongest positions. To win a general election, you move towards whatever is populous. Do we really want men like this leading us? Oh, no. And of course, they're not the problem. We are. We've accepted it. We accept it in the secular world. We accept it in the church world. We accept it in our households. We accept it from ourselves. Words have become cheap. I'd like to give you a couple things to be careful of. You can put these on the screen, Susan. Deuteronomy 23, 21. If you make a vow to the Lord your God, do not be slow to repay it. For the Lord your God will certainly demand it of you, and you will be guilty of sin. If this was true in 1400 B.C., it is true today. Nothing in heaven and on earth will ever change that truth. Jesus did not come to remove one letter of it, not one jot, not one tittle. He came to put that attitude 
on better footing. It's very important then that we be careful what we vow, isn't it? Why do we have to have contracts? So that there's a legal recourse when people lie. How common are contracts? As common as lies. Isn't that interesting? Don't you appreciate when you get to know someone well enough that when they shake your hand and you shake their hand, you know it's as good as done? Amen. You know, modern Hebrews have a saying among them. If I have to count the money from the man I took it from, I wouldn't do business with it. I don't want to say they live in a small world, but they must be doing business only with people they know well. Huh? How about this one? 1 Peter 4.11 If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. Oh, what a high standard. This one in the fourth chapter of Ephesians beat me up all day long. I can't tell you the number of words that I speak in a day that I know most certainly did not come from God. They may not have come from the devil, Jay, but they didn't come from God. They came from that third source, Eric's flesh. Now, they can be couched in humor. They can be so many things. But you know what they're definitely not? Not God's Word. What a high standard this is. It'll make you be as quiet as Matthew is. We have a responsibility in what we speak. To not lie when we vow something. To speak as speaking the words of God. How about Matthew 5.37? Simply let your yes be yes. And your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. But I double pinky promise you. We are blood brothers now. We made a pact. We're in the secret double probation club. Why do we have to give all of these assurances? It's a comment on our character, friends. When you have to promise on your mother's grave, this means that you lied on your father's grave. How about Numbers 30? Uh, we won't read this one. That's very long. Numbers 31 through 15 is my last bit of advice about the spoken word. Numbers 30, 1 through 15 teaches that if you have made a vow rashly and you need to be released from it. Oh, hear me first, second year Christians. Those of you that believe that you heard from God something and you're not going to eat again until it happens. You're not going to sleep in your bed again until it happens. All of those things that young, zealous Christians do. I'm going to ask you to raise your hands. Let me tell you about a few that I've known through the years. Eric, I won't sleep in this bed until little Susie marries me because I know it's God's will. Well, he spent a couple years not sleeping in his bed, but today he's married and has three children with another woman. And I did the wedding and it was God. You know what was not God? The vow we made in the first place. There's some Jews in the book of Acts that vowed never to eat again until they had killed Paul. They must be very hungry. <laughs> Deuteronomy 30 teaches us how to get out of a vow that you made. Friends, it's, it's repentance. It's to go to the one in authority above you and say, I'm really sorry because I did a stupid thing. I don't want my words to be cheap because your words are not cheap. 
will you forgive me and let me out of this because it's killing me and I was wrong? Oh, we should learn that one. Yeah. We really should. Won't have so many people calling you on the phone asking for money. Remember though, speaking is only half of the problem. It's not just as much what we say, it's what we're hearing that has jaded our ears, made us skeptical. And here's the big problem. The fruit of that is a faithless life. One that knows the Word of God, acknowledges that it's true, but just can't believe that it's true for you. Well, we're in Psalms, turn to me to 19. Let us look at 19.7. Then we're going to move on to some unshakable promises for you. 19.7. The law of the Lord is... Come on, the law of the Lord is... If it's perfect, friends, there's not a thing wrong with it. There's no exception in it. It doesn't say except for Darnell. Darnell, did you get healed today? Patricia, two services ago, did you get healed? The law of the Lord is perfect. If you have not seen the result that you're looking for yet, hang in there. God is not a liar. He will come through for you. You have a prophecy that you know is from God. You wrote it in your Bible. It was confirmed over and over and over. And now there is a delay. There was no instant gratification. Understand. The law or instruction of the Lord is perfect. And why does He give it? What's after the comma? Reviving the soul. The living God does not want you walking around deflated. He does not walk, want you walking around with a crushed heart. He never despises somebody in that situation. You know what He does? He gives them His instruction that is perfect. And it brings life into them. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the... If we're willing, friends, the Word of God will grow us up beyond our years. It will mature us beyond our abilities. The Word of God is perfect. The principles of the Lord, or rather the precepts of the Lord, are right. Giving what to the heart? Joy. How many of you felt sad today? Get in your Bible. Get in your Bible. Not in your phone. We have this bill saying in my house, so we're going to take that one to the throne and not the phone. There's this just intangible desire when something doesn't go right. To whine. One of the reasons that I detest whining as a pastor is because I detest it in my own life. And if I get into the habit of hearing it from you, I might get into the habit of doing it myself. It'd be the blind leading the blind. We'll both be in a ditch. When something goes wrong, I want to pick up the phone and go, Matthew, you won't believe what happened now. You know who's the one person that cannot fix it? Matthew, he wasn't even there when it happened. Who's the one person that can fix it all? Who's better than Gator Ranch and Ginsu? Why do we pick up the phone when we could pick up the throne of God? I'm not saying be isolated. I'm not saying don't share your needs with other people. Listen to yourself, sufficient chief. I am telling you that is not true. But the first place we should go is the throne of God. He will give you joy in your heart because you begin to believe what He has said. The commands of the Lord are radiant. They give light. 
to the eyes. Oh, come on, that's better than mascara. Yeah. You ever been what mascara is made of? I'm not going to tell you, but let me tell you that the ordinances of the Lord are all together better than that stuff. Yeah. You can put eyeshadow on all day long and hope somebody will call you beautiful. Or you can read the Word of God which declares it from an eternal source. Yeah. And He'll make your eyes beautiful. Like we struggle. Our cure is found in the Word of God. If you go spend a week with me and my friends in Africa, if you go to the village of Ryanchogu, you'll meet a little boy named Poku. Poku eats the byproduct of maize, something called Ugali. As far as I can tell, Ugali is the closest thing God ever made to styrofoam. <laughs> And you can eat blocks of ugali as big as styrofoam, and I doubt there's one little vitamin C in it. You will never catch Pope frowning. He's happy all of the time. Am I lying, Curtis? You'll meet Duke. Duke is thrilled to death to play with a wheelbarrow all day, even if you ask him to unload thousands of bricks. The Word of God has given light to their eyes. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and all together righteous. Is that good, friends? Yes. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. If you believe this, how many of us, let's just commit you to it. How many of you believe this word? Give me a hand if you believe it. Alright, if you don't believe it, I'm coming to find you. <laughs> Ashley, do you believe it? Do you believe it, Ashley? You will, sweetie. I watched the Lord do miracles in her life. If you believe this word, then you know what you have to do? You have to act like it. Is there anything else sweet in your life that you like? Is there anything else sweet in you? Don't you say Tara. Look at Joe. Joe's like, I do me with. My baby is sweet. <laughs> oh, it's hard to quit eating chocolate, isn't it? Yes. You know it's bad for you and it's hard to quit eating. Alright, so chocolate may not be your thing. Maybe it's bluebell. No, maybe it's pecan pie. I don't know what it is, but there's something sweet in your life that's not good for you. And you're still having problems getting away from it. But the Word of God is sweet and you said you believe it and you have no problem getting away from it. Leave that Bible in church for pastor to see. Throw it on the back dash of the car to swell bigger than the Houston phone book. Come on now, friends. If the Word of God is sweet and you believe it, then why don't we taste of the Lord and see how good He is? I never found a problem that He can't cure. The devil's so crafty. That's all the praise he's getting from me today. You got this way of making you break the Word of God. Make you scared to read the Word of God. Make you not like the Word of God because it addresses your situation and you forget that the Word of God is actually sweet. Anybody love the Word of God? Yes. If you don't, 
You're going to. I'm about to give you ten reasons to love the Word of God. Yeah. Come on now. Those of you that were in discipleship class Sunday night, I don't know how many hundreds of reasons. We told you that you could believe that the Word was true. We went through equidistant letter spacing. We went through Geomatra just because we were bored. We went through archaeology. We went through the actual internal evidence. We went through as much as the people would listen to. Some 45 slides in addition to the material. But you know when the Word of God really becomes sweet to you? It's not when academically you believe it's true. It's when you begin to experience it. How about John 1.12? <laughs> Yet to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to what? Become children of God. God is not like a man. He never uses His words cheaply. He never lies. He never promises and then does not fulfill. Our God is not like that. You can believe that if He says you can become a son of God, you can become a son of God. Oh, what would that mean? To sit at the king's table. To be known by the king and the king to know you. To have, hear me, heaven on your side. Is this one of those church facts that we've just, we've heard all of the time, like we hear that for 1999, all your problems will go away. Just vote for Pedro, right? Everything will be better immediately. Is this one of those things that we've heard so many times that we just like, well, I know he said it, but he doesn't really, well, I mean, he means it for Jennifer. He just doesn't mean it for me. Oh, come on, church, you can tell the truth. As many as believed on him to become children of God. Could there be any better promise in the universe than that? How about Psalm 46.1? God is our refuge and our strength. An ever-present help in trouble. You don't understand, Pastor, I'm underwater. I'm in over my head. Well, praise God, you're not in over God's head yet. Are you standing on your own two feet or are you sitting on God's shoulders? You know, in the secular world, we don't like it when we do something and someone else takes credit for it. It's called sitting on my shoulders and calling yourself tall. But God actually allows it. He will let you stand on His work in His name. He actually gives you the power of authority, the power of attorney to use His name. You didn't achieve it. You didn't accomplish it. And He still tells you, God is a refuge and a strength and ever-present help in trouble because you can use His name. Amen. The state trooper was teaching our class yesterday. And I liked it. And I remembered his name, but I'm not going to lie. The thought crossed my mind. Next time I see those red lights behind me, I now know the name of a police officer. Maybe that will help me. <laughs> Why are you laughing at me? I've been to more of your accidents and hospital visits than anybody else in the church. Why are you laughing at me? Not <laughs> he said he might need that name. <laughs> Listen, we have the right to name drop Jesus. 
Amen. You may be best friends with Reinhard Bunker, and as cool as that is, it's not as cool as being friends with Jesus. Amen. You might be best friends with whoever is the latest and greatest today, but it's not as cool as being friends with Jesus. Do you believe that? Yeah. Is the scripture true? It said he's an ever-present help in times of trouble. Is it true? Yeah. And why do we feel like it's not? Friends, let's stop using cheap words. Let's stop listening to cheap words. And let's fill our mind with the only word that we know is not cheap. Is that fair? How about Isaiah 40, verse 29? He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Not only can you be a child of God, not only will He help you when you're in trouble, He has promised to strengthen the weary. Oh, Pastor, I'm just tired. I'm just tired. You don't know what I've been through. Yeah, well, I know that He will give you strength. You ever, who in here has been to the doctor in the last six months? Okay, statistics say out of the 80 people that just raised their hand, that 78 of you got an antibiotic. <laughs> and you might have 45 different illnesses, but probably got the same antibiotic. They're called broad-spectrum antibiotics, right? It means that we can give you Cipro for anything from the waist up. We can give you amoxicillin for it, almost anything. I mean, you need it like gumdrops. I don't need to know what every problem is in the room. I don't. We have a prescription in the Word that says He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. He's better than a broad-spectrum antibiotic. He can fix Brandon's problem and Charlie's problem in the same move of the Spirit, and we don't even know what their problems were. Come on, are you hopeless? Did you come in here today downcast, beat up? You don't have to leave that way. You can be a child of God. You can be strengthened in His presence. You can receive power from on high. He is an ever-present help in times of trouble. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Listen, friends. What happens with entitlement programs? Let's... Let's just, let's move away from entitlement programs. Let's do it a different way. Because not everybody in here experiences an entitlement program. But everybody in here pays taxes on a graduated scale, don't you? Yes, we do. Some more than others. Some a whole lot more than others. Why do you pay that CPA? What are you really paying for? decrease your tax burden as much as is legally possible. Am I wrong? So let's just say that a tax bracket was at $28,000. Right? Wouldn't you like to be under $28,000? Isn't that like fighting to be weak so that you get a benefit from it? I'm not suggesting it's wrong. I'm saying if we're smart enough to do it in the financial realm, then why do we pretend to be so strong spiritually when it's the weak that he gives strength to? Hey, how you doing? I'm fine. I mean, the Walmart readers say, hello, how are you? Almost everybody, and 100% of the time, I'm, 
I'm doing just fine. I'm great. Thank you. How are you? Or just ignoring. At least the ignoring was almost true. <laughs> if we could just admit where we are, you know what? There's help. You go pay a CPA to prove that you're really worse off than you actually are because you want some benefit from it. But when it comes to the King of Kings, we cannot be honest and say, I need all the help you can give me because I'm blowing it. Amen. I don't know if there's a person in the room that falls on his face as spectacularly as I do. But I'm finding serious strength in just admitting it and asking for help. He will give you Strength. Is that good news? Yes. Okay, how about this one? Psalm 32, verse 8. <clears throat> I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Not only can you be a son of God, not only will he help you when you're in trouble and strengthen you when you're weak, he will show you where you should go and watch over you. Come on, I don't know very many people that were born wanting to come to Sugarland. I just don't know. Most of you got here because you thought you were making choices. Maybe it was for a job. Maybe it was for some other reason. I'm telling you that the Lord ordains our footsteps. He shows you where you should go. A very select few of you showed up and said, I believe God sent me here. Thank you, Zeke I believe God sent me here because something's happening. Thank you, Jay Williams, an alignment in the kingdom of God. This is because the living God will show you where you should go. Both of the elders in our church, Charlie and Steve, were sent here by God. One of them had a dream that said there were seats open at a table that you're supposed to fulfill. Sent here by God. You know what that means? Your life's not aimless. It's not a random series of events. It actually has purpose. The living God will cause you to become His child. And He will direct your events. If you can believe that what He says is true and begin to act like it. Anybody want to show faith towards the Lord today? I'm really confused that we're in a Christian assembly and 30% of the people want to show faith towards the Lord today. Is there anybody that wants to show faith towards the Lord today? Yeah. Yeah. How about Proverbs 8, 17? I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. I just don't know the Lord's will for my life. Well, the good news is this is a flawless, refined promise. There's no fluff in it. There's not a word there that doesn't belong, nothing that is filler. He said exactly what he meant. I love those who love me. Do you love the Lord? Yes, yes Pastor. I love yes. the Lord. Are you seeking the Lord? Yes. Then I can guarantee you by the power of the Word of God that you will find His will. Amen. You don't have to be in fear that you won't know His will. You don't have to be in fear that it won't happen. That somehow you if you love the Lord and you seek Him, what does He say will happen? I met more Christians that are experiencing a paradigm paralysis. This is the way we've done it. It cannot change because I've sought the Lord and I, I just, I don't hear from Him and I don't know what to do, so I'm not going to do anything. Reinhard Bunker said it this way. You are constantly praying for the will of God and I am running you over from behind 
the will of God. Friends, if you simply get moving in some direction, He will show you what He wants from you. Amen. You know what we can guarantee He does not want? Sitting on our hands and our salvation. We can guarantee that the Lord is not into apathy and inactivity. He's entrusted you with beautiful things. Seek Him about what to do with it. He'll show you. You don't need your pastor to tell you. You don't have to write to a pontiff in Rome for him to tell you. The living God will show you. I love those who love me. And those who seek me, find me. What an amazing promise. If they had known this for a thousand years called the Dark Ages, they would not have been extorted by a corrupt political machine. The Word of God is flawed. It's perfect. It revives the soul. You don't have to dwell in fear. How about Psalm 103.13? As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. Have you ever had the feeling that the Lord was angry with you and just wanted to squish you? We had a whole great awakening over that. Sermon titled, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, featured the thesis statement. Because back then they were written as well as spoken. You were like a spider dangling on a web over hell. I suppose in one sense that's true. We were born in a condemned state. But you know what I see the view and heart of God as in the Bible over and over and over? I long to rescue you. And if you'll let me... I will do it. I will have compassion on you. I've seen the way that you're oppressed. I've seen the way that it's afflicted you. And I have stepped down to raise you up. I think the Exodus story is every man's story. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. You begin to show reverence for the Lord's Word. Reverence for His character. And He will have compassion on you. Oh, what a good feeling that is. Somebody threatened Judah a couple days ago. Can you imagine that? Y'all love Judah? Yes. Uh, oh, rainstorm washed a garbage can out into the street. And apparently it attacked the grill of Judah's Jeep. It tried to run over Judah's Jeep. And uh, he's a new driver. It's a rainstorm. The garbage can was moving. All of the excuses that any father wants to give a child. Judah got out of the car in the middle of a rainstorm, set back up the garbage cans, went and knocked on the door that he thought it belonged to and said, I'm very sorry, I hit your garbage can. Man begins to threaten him. And then finds out it's not even his garbage can that he hit. The guy's garbage can that he actually hit was totally cool with it and loved Judah and thought he was a respectful young man. How many of your fathers in the room? Okay, let's pretend that you're not sitting in a building with a steeple, because you're not. Let's pretend that you're not sitting in a building with stained glass, because you're not. Let's pretend that you're not on pews, because you're not. As just a father, how does it make you feel when another grown man threatens yourself? You can't me, come on, somebody. How does it make you feel? It makes you feel just a little bit hot under the collar, doesn't it? Who came and visited? Oh, the poor cable man came. We don't have cable. He came to bury the uh, the lines through our backyard. And it just so happened, Steve, that it showed up the moment after Judah told me that the neighbor had threatened him. When 
to the door, I was energetic. <laughs> you see that carefully chosen word? I was energetic, y'all. Then I saw the man's uniform and immediately I calmed down. Praise God, his mercies, his mercies, his mercies. You have a father in heaven. Even if you have a, we don't say crappy in church, a lackluster father on this planet, you have a fantastic father in the heavens. In the way that a father ought to protect you, he wants to protect you. And what is your only requirement? Oh, to fear and respect his character. To be careful about how you treat him and the word and, and the people he cares about who are sitting on your left and right and surrounding you on this globe that we call earth. He will have compassion on you. Oh man, I'm so sick of hearing nobody was ever kind to me. The Lord's been kind. The air in our lungs is proof of that. How about 1 John 5.14? This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. If you got an audience with our sitting president right now, and you asked him, I don't know, to open a 501c3 that is for a conservative group. You may not be able to do that. But if you can get an audience with the King of Kings, the living God, if you can get an audience with the name that is above every other name, Anything that is according to His will, He will do for you. Do you believe this scripture? Yes. Is 1 John 5.14 in the same Bible that you have? Yes. Has anybody in here got a, a Mormon corruption or a Jehovah's Witness lie? Anybody here got the wrong Bible? Now, we'll forgive you if you have a translation that is archaic. We'll forgive you if you've got one that's so modern it's a comic book. But if you have 1 John 5.14 in your Bible, then how do we not have confidence that He hears us and will move according to His will? We have to have confidence. After all, it's faith that pleases Him. Do you want Him to have compassion on you? Act like you believe His Word. I was in a prayer meeting one time. And my buddy Brad and I, uh, not Brad Hall, different Brad, we were praying. And I said, oh, I know that the, the Lord will come through. I was behind on my mortgage. I know none of you have ever been behind on your mortgage, but there was a time period where if I could hide my house from those who wanted to repossess it, I would. It was on a monolithic slab. I couldn't hide it. And I was praying. I said, oh, I know that the Lord will come through. <laughs> my buddy walked over to me and said, you pray well, but you're living poorly. I said, I'm sorry. Of course, you know, he's still unmarried, doesn't have a house, all those things. All the reasons you have great faith that's never been tested, but he was right. And uh, I said, I'm sorry, come again. You know, I mean, I'm hurt. Feels like Job's friend at the moment, even though he's right. He says, Eric, you just said that you know the Lord will come through for you, but you're acting like he won't. You're still biting your nails, man. You're still tense. He was right. Because our words are cheap sometimes. 
We know the right things to acknowledge, but they're not down in our hearts. They're not in our lives. And it was a correction well heeded. I decided that it would be a sacrifice to praise God and jump around like an idiot with a smile on my face in the midst of turmoil. Oh man, our God gets pleased sometimes with the simplest actions. We think like Balak that we need to bring bigger offerings, bigger sacrifices. It's the little things, friends. You learn to smile in adversity. You learn to laugh off something that the devil thought he would kill you with. And it is a statement of faith. The living God hears us when we pray. How about Psalm 121, 7 and 8? The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The living God is watching your life. Oh my. It's, we're so fascinated with getting somebody interested in our life that we have Facebook accounts. We have a strange kind of written form of voyeurism going on all over the world. You don't really know people, but you're peeking into their lives, looking at their family pictures that they posted online for everybody that they know is not family. It's very strange. God's checking your Facebook account. He's hitting the like button when He sees things that He likes. He's watching over your life. He's guarding your coming and your going. Not just now. He'll do it forevermore if you're in covenant with Him. Is that good news? Yes. Come on, is that good news? Yes. How many of you would like a private security detail? Our friend Dennis got shot just the other day. Three times each, twice. Neck, neck and thigh. We told Dennis, I remember this later, we told Dennis the very first time we met him, when I hugged Dennis, I was laughing about him being a big old boy. I said, you know, there's a problem with that. People won't want to fight with you. Somebody will shoot you. We were talking about his life dealing drugs. You know what, though? God is watching Dennis' life. And not watching him angry, wanting to squish him. He's looking for the opportunity to show him compassion and kindness and rescue his heart. So he sets up tent meetings for 60 days or 50 days, whatever it was, many days at the corner that Dennis works on. And then when Dennis does get shot, there's one blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white preacher sitting in the uh, waiting room hoping to spend just a little time with Him. That's the kind of God we serve. The kind who is watching your life and will make strangers care about you just to show you He's involved in your life. Let me ask you, how did you get here today? It's probably that somebody who once didn't know you or care about you because of Jesus knew you, cared about you, and invited you. I can't believe you saw a commercial and came in. We don't have them. I can't believe you saw a billboard and came in. We don't have them. It must be that somebody was expressing God's love to you. That He was watching over your coming and your going. How about Isaiah 54.10? Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. His love for you is unshakable. 
It's unshakable. We have the idea that because our daddies or mommies or teachers or maybe it was us who did it. Loved us when we did well and disowned us when we didn't. That our God acts that way. But He doesn't. He is not performance oriented. He is heart oriented, Sasha. So maybe you sing out of tune today. You all remember Joe Cocker's song, What Will You Do If I Sing Out of Tune? Will you stand up and walk out on me? I came from a Woodstock family. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? We think that because we sing out of tune, God got far from us. And the truth is that God did not move from us. We moved from God. And we can come back. He is immovable. He is unshakable. Your sin does not separate God from you. It separates you from God. And He's waiting for you to simply say, I'm weak and I need help and this is the problem and come running back to Him and He will wash it away. Amen. Amen. His love is unshakable. If you really believe that's true, then don't listen to the Shouting ruler of fools. The devil lied to you and said, don't go back there. You feel bad every time you're in worship. Don't go listen to those people talk about the Bible. He is a ruler of fools. And why are they fools? Because they're missing out on God's unshakable love. There is nothing that is more foolish in all of the universe than to be condemned and pass up a pardon. To assail the character of God is against you when He is for you. I simply want to tell you that if you feel like it's impossible, Luke 18.27 says nothing is impossible with God. If you feel like nobody loves you, John 3.16 says God loves the world so much that He gave His Son. Come on, He gave the, 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 the priceless, precious blood of Jesus for you. How can we say nobody loves you? If you feel like I can't go on, 2 Corinthians 12.9 says His grace will be sufficient for you. If you feel like you cannot do it, Philippians 4.13 says you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. If you're tempted to think it's not worth it, the Apostle Paul in Romans 8.18 said that it is not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed. And if you feel alone, Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Never will I leave you or forsake you. The Word of God, friends, is not cheap. It costs a man his life. The only one that was perfect and upheld it Perfectly. I'm here to tell you as one former rebellious enemy of God that you can become a son of God. Amen. I'm here to tell you that even as a son of God you can be who God called you to be. You can be credited with righteousness and still be sitting in a prison cell that you don't have to sit in. So open the door by the power of the Holy Ghost you can walk out of the things that are destroying your life. You just have to recognize that the door is open because the Word says it. I'm here to tell you that if it wasn't enough to pardon you and to take you out of the prison cell, He goes a step further than that. 
He clothes you in Himself. So that you look to the spiritual world, feel to the spiritual world, and are credited with the very deeds of Christ. Clothed with Him. As if that wasn't enough. After taking you out of a prison cell, after making you a son and clothing you with the very garments of Christ, He now says, you're an ambassador for me. Go get the rest of those prisoners. Amen. This is what God is like. And you can find this in His Word. The liars have said His book is boring. The liars have said it's not worth reading. The skeptics have come out of the woodworks to come up with new and strange theories about the Word. But all the proof you ever needed is standing here speaking you today. It changed my life. And the lives of countless millions of other people. Y'all stand in your feet.